From the words of Whistle Stop Express, we love our community and appreciate all of our wonderful customers. So check out Whistle Stop Express in Sand Gap, Kentucky. Their hours are Monday through Friday from 5 a.m. to 9 p.m., Saturday and Sunday from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. They have gas, diesel, propane tanks, and propane tank exchanges, automotive products, hydraulic fluid, a line of livestock feed, and pride dog food. They also have tobacco products. If you need a Notary Republic, they have them there at the Whistle Stop. They have a full breakfast, lunch, and dinner menu served all day. They carry postage stamps and a lot more. So if you're needing anything from the Whistle Stop Express, please give them a call at 965-7613. Again, that's Whistle Stop Express, beautiful Sand Gap, Kentucky. Give them a call at 965-7613. What's up, Danny? What's up, Beefy? Uh, what's up, world? Yeah, what's up, world? How's it going? Uh, you know, still still plugging along. You're still looking plugging like this. Along, looking like this. Yeah. yeah. I, look, I look like I've smoked about 19 pounds of Murray Jane Yuwana. Oh, yeah? yeah Murray Jane eyes, Yuwana? I had that uh, pink eye. And, yeah. And it's killed me, buddy. <laughs> pink eye is torture. It, uh, I just... it. I'm sure that I'm over it. Well, that save. Mm-hmm. My wife puts that save in my eye, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> Has to hold me down, literally. Oh, yeah. I can't stand up and touch my eyes. <clears throat> and uh, on my way up here, I stopped uh, and shopped local and got me some Visine and earned a Dollar General in the big city of McKee. Yeah. And you should see me in the parking lot trying to put it in my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it was awful. I just trying to put it in my yeah. eyes. But my eyes are... Uh, I have dry eyes, red eyes, <laughs> Bueller. Yeah. I tried to shop local today, but they didn't have what I was wanting. What was you looking for? Straw. <laughs> <laughs> what, what was you need straw for, Danny? I'm trying to get, I've been uh, seeding my grass, yeah. and I was needing straw to go to lay over top of it, but ain't nobody got no straw. <laughs> it was funny how you said that. I tried to shop local, but I couldn't. What were you looking for? Straw. <laughs> I that you can't. No, you ain't that you can't. You just can't. Do you it. tried to push a button, didn't you? I tried to. And I had the volume turned down. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, um, uh, it may not be straw season, Danny. It may not be. I don't they know. Might not be they, no straw. They may here. be an actual season for straw. We used to smoke. It ain't right now. We used to. When I was growing up, I used to stay all night with uh, this boy named Nick and his older brother Chris. Yeah. And we would smoke straw. Oh, we'd yeah. smoke hay. We'd smoke anything. Yeah. You know, rabbit mm-hmm. backer. You <laughs> yeah, ever yeah, seen yeah. rabbit backer? No, uh-uh. um, I don't think I have. Yeah, I may know it as something it, else. To me, I may be wrong. It, they don't tell them what we smoke, but it kind of looked like a miniature cattail, like oh, out yeah. of a pond. And we yeah. would uh, take the tubes and smoke them. Like oh, when they yeah. grow up, we'd break them off and smoke them. Yeah. Not, none of us inhaled, you know. Right, right. We was like Bill Clinton. Yeah. I did not inhale. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's untelling what <clears throat> everybody smoked. You remember the thing that we used to do uh, back when, I don't know if it was 
I'm sure it wasn't elementary school. It wasn't dumb enough to do anything like that in elementary school. But do you remember when people used to take an eraser, or eraser to the top of their hand? <laughs> that was elementary and middle was school. Was it elementary yeah. school? And then okay. you would take so you would burn a place in your hand. And then we done one where you bit the eraser off and bit the metal that held the eraser yep. and yep. pulled it like that and slapped yeah. it against your hand. That yeah, and you could see who took it the longest. Yeah, yeah. just stupid, stupid stuff. stuff. I remember people walking around with burn. Marks on their hands. I, the I was one hand. of those. I did too. I would uh, take the staple gun, and I'll never forget it. We were in Miss Vaughn's class, was a seventh or eighth grade science. Yeah. And I would take her staple gun and pull it apart yeah. and just slap it against my arm. What? Oh, yeah. What? No, just idiot I, I never stuff. did that. <laughs> I mean, just stupid stuff. <laughs> Look how tough I am. Yeah. Just, I mean, dumb stupid there stuff. There was a few different tests that people would do yeah to test. cct tests test, that's what it was yeah, yeah. we called them cct tests. Now, i remember back in my sad to say older years you would take a buddy of mine or whoever wanted to would burn a cigarette down almost to the filter and set it between and your it arms between your arms yeah and just let it sit there and the first person to move their arm was the cc well i was the cc every time i, I was like being burnt i was like well I, I i never got to the point where it burnt i'm just like this is stupid right I ain't doing and, that. Uh, some, of, uh, some of those things can be can be kind of traumatic you yeah know? yeah yeah it's like, i may it, it's untelling what it causes people later in life it <laughs> might be the reason why we're doing this episode today. yeah we're, we're gonna we're gonna talk about uh PTSD, uh, anxiety, yeah. things of that nature. Yeah. Um, that me and Beefy both suffer from this, I, too. I think I further than <clears throat> suffer sometimes, which oh, yeah. I can knock on this table right here and, and thank God that I haven't had an episode in a while. Um, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, but... Uh, I can't say that, unfortunately. <clears throat> um, it's that... Uh, I, I take a pill called Effexor uh-huh. and, like... Uh, a lot of people don't understand or, or I mean I've taken everything under the sun mm-hmm. because of this they've tried everything and sometimes it'll work for a little while and then I just you know I got, I was working uh, through a temp service of course you know because it's hard to get full time employment out of Jackson County Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> I was working through all these temp services trying to get a, a good full time position right after I got married I was a dispatcher and and then when I after I got married, well, actually before I got married, I wasn't getting enough hours, so I was like, you know, I've got to do something. I've got yeah. you know two kids, you know, right off the bat, and a mm-hmm. wife. I've got to really, really, you know, do whatever. Yeah. So I, I I hit the temp services. I put yeah. in I put in resumes and I went applications. Kelly services. Yeah, or like I, I told a story about <clears throat> failing a drug test on my oh, yeah, podcast, yeah. going through Kelly services, but. Uh, uh, I don't even know what I'm talking about. What was I talking about then? Going through, <laughs> yeah. uh, getting into a pre-made family and yeah. having to get a job and but, uh, do better and I stuff. Had, I was going through a, a temp service, <clears throat> and I still don't know what I'm talking about because I've just lost all train of thought. I do that. That's that's part of being a diabetic. Yeah. Um, that's kind of a post-traumatic thing for me too because, uh, like, even right now. I like I stopped at the good old DQ and spent a thousand dollars on some, <laughs> you know, on a, on some onion rings and a, a chili dog. Yeah. And I like I told you earlier before we started the podcast, I can feel my sugar going up. Yeah, you did. And when that. and when it starts doing that, I get confused. Oh yeah. It, it's it's hard. It's so hard to explain. Some people they, some people they. Um, See, I mean, it's so weird, man. You've I, I, told me that over the years I've, that you'll go blank. Yeah, I just go blank. I get yeah. confused sometimes. 
but uh, that's unfortunate. I, it's I do that not probably not as often. It as, may hit me. Hit, it may hit me here here in minute, what I was talking about. But but post traumatic stress, <clears throat> folks. I'm telling you, or um, nervousness. Oh, they yeah. turned me loose from a nervous hospital. Yeah, yeah. There were times in my life. Oh, I was talking about medicine. Yeah. They put they they put me on so many medicines, man, and, and they would work for a little while. I was working for a temp service, and it was uh, to the point to uh, like I felt like I was losing my mind. I couldn't mm-hmm. focus at work. I was just constantly my mind was running, and it was just fear and tor- the. <clears throat> I, I can't remember if it was Brian Gabbard that gave the best definition of an anxiety attack or a panic attack yeah but i think he said that it was unending doom that's a good way to put it that's accurate i'm pretty sure because he used to suffer with it like awful impending doom Mm -hmm. yeah probably Uh, but it was something like that that he'd said but uh i uh they put me on this new medicine and um i was taking it and i felt like after about three days on it, three or four days, mm-hmm. I felt like that I was standing up on like, I felt like I was standing up on like this big railing and I was looking down at myself and watching myself work. Mm-hmm. That's what it, that's how it Out made of me body feel. experience. Yeah, it was weird. <clears throat> and then all of a sudden I got this, it was, <clears throat> it was like, um, I, the best way I can describe it is I didn't care about anything oh yeah i laid in the bed one night after three or four days on this medicine and i was laying there with my wife and i just rolled over and looked at her and i said i don't care about you wow i I said i don't care about the kids i don't care about anything you saw yourself saying this or you no i actually said it oh but i was i'm an emotional wreckage anyway and i wear my heart on my sleeve and i I always speak what i feel regardless if it hurts people's feelings or whatever i've always been that way yeah and we were having this conversation and i was trying to explain to her you know what was going on with this medicine and uh i just looked at her and i was like I just, I don't care about nothing. Yeah. I said, I feel like I don't have a soul. It changes your whole personality. Everything. I wasn't mean or anything like that, but I was just, and I started to come to the realization that I didn't, like part, I just didn't care. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, that's not me. See, for me knowing you uh, my whole life and knowing how much that you love your family. I just love people. To anybody that. Probably don't know you. That sounds insane. Well, how could he ever feel that way? Well, anybody's going to say that. Nobody's going to understand it right. unless you're somebody that deals with the same type of thing. Right. Like, I know what you're what you're yeah. saying. I know better than to than to believe that you actually feel that way i know you love your family it was that medicine but it's the medicine the medicine listen they was a boy years ago and i know who you know i'm talking about came off of this stuff like cold turkey and ended up killing himself yeah yeah uh it's really toxic stuff and dangerous stuff and i told my wife i mean like uh i had no emotion and I'm a crybaby, so yeah. I can cry at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Some some things hit me, and I just bawl. I can't I'm help it. Uh, certain smells make me cry. Certain flavors make me cry. Yeah. Um, and and things of that nature. But I, uh, I literally just laid there in the bed, and I was trying to describe what was going on with this medicine with me, and I couldn't. And the only thing I could say was, "I don't care about you. 
Yeah. And I was just like I was a robot. Mm-hmm. I, you know, just no emotion. Yeah. I don't care about you. I don't yeah. care about the kids. <clears throat> I think she was pregnant with McKenna at the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, I just, that's how I feel. It's crazy, care. ain't it? And it's it, scary, too. And she said, and that was what was in my mind. That was what I was yeah. dealing with. Yeah. I was like, this is not me. I'm, I'm, I feel like I don't have a soul. Yeah. And she said, stop taking that medicine. <clears throat> so I quit cold turkey. I'd been on it for like a week and a half or something, two weeks. Yeah. And the next day at work, I had a breakdown. Mm-hmm. Nobody there knew what was going on. Yeah. But I just looked at my boss and I was like, uh, I said, I need to go home. Oh, yeah. And as soon as I, I stepped out of the factory, I was working at Heister in Berea or NACO or whatever they make the Heister forklifts. Yeah. As soon as I opened the car door to my little car and I sat down, I started bawling. And yeah. I could not stop crying. But and, and I was glad that I was crying because I didn't have any emotion. Yeah. But that anxiety, that that anxiety, and I mean, like, it took me, you know, which would have took probably 25 minutes to get home. It took me two hours to Mm -hmm. drive home. I had to pull over on the side of the road to catch my breath, (laughs) wipe my eyes. I'm dying. I can't breathe. Blah, blah, blah. And and I'll even go, you know, I'll give you a little time to talk here, Danny. I notice I do that crap (laughs) all the time on these podcasts. I just get going and I don't shut up. But I'll tell I'll tell a little backstory on you know my life, like everybody knows that I'm an open book. But I'll tell you know some some things in my life, and I'm 42 years old, and I still deal with these things every day. It, these thoughts go through my head every day. Yeah. They have since all these things have happened to me, mm-hmm. and it's not a you know let's feel sorry for beefy. I know tons of people that's had it a lot worse than me. Oh yeah. But I'm just start trying to open up a door to where. <clears throat> And it's so easy. Boy, they're not alone. That's right. the point. Of That's this. the whole point of this episode yeah. is to let those people that listen to it that deal and struggle and with these things. A lot of people may not be as open about it as me and you are, which is another reason why we want to make this episode. Right. This is probably one of the most serious episodes we'll do because unfortunately more people suffer with this thing than you'll ever know it's uh, and 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 you know me i always got to bring the church in you know right right but i've stood up in uh literally every church in this county and and said you know the reason that we share our testimony is because there's somebody in here that needs to hear it yeah it's not bragging right. or what was me right. it's to shine a light on something right i'm 42 years old danny and uh <clears throat> when i was a baby at 18 months old, I uh, was in a walker, and we lived at a place called Tough It Out right up here in Greyhawk. Yep. And uh, I was in a walker, and it was in the wintertime, and, and I don't remember this, but I heard my mom tell the story several times. She was folding clothes, and all the other kids were out or playing or at the neighbors or something like that. And uh, she was folding clothes, or maybe they were just sitting there. Who knows what the other kids were doing? But, <laughs> but uh, I was in my walker, and I was wa- running around the living room. And if you ever had a wood burning stove, we yeah. had a coal. We had a coal stove, and they get super hot. You put oh, coal yeah. in there, and they get super hot. Yeah, buddy. And uh, the poker, you know, the big metal rod that you move the coals around with to put more wood or whatever yeah, yeah. In, into your stove. Mm-hmm. Somehow she was in the back room and folding clothes, and I tripped over the poker oh. and fell face first onto the stove. Oh my God! And I, I you, you know, there's scars yeah. and stuff all over my face. It was horrible. Yeah. 
Well, uh, uh, CPS was about to take Betty's baby. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. So, so there, you know, she, she she almost got in trouble for that. And it was just an accident. It's a freak accident. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> baby and, being a baby. Yeah. And uh, uh, basically, you know, she was a single mom, four kids, um, trying to do whatever she could do to survive or whatever. And we lived at a place called Tough It Out, and you toughed it out when you lived there. Sometimes, yeah. you know, you didn't have electric, you didn't have water, you didn't, what well, it was just, you lived in just a building, just a little house that was yeah. falling in. And uh, I burnt the whole left side of my face off. And she told me these stories, and it freaked me out. You know, I'm, she didn't really talk to me when I was a ch- little kid about it. Yeah. But I knew that I'd burnt my face real bad, and I didn't find out until later on in life that, you know, they tried to take me away from my mom. Wow. And the reason that I found out was that at the age of three, mom worked two jobs. She worked as a uh, – my mom was a school teacher without a GED. She worked at the Head Start. She worked okay. at Buncombe. Yeah. And she worked at, uh, or she was a teacher's aide or something like that. Mm-hmm. She was some kind of teacher, you know, that worked uh, for the, the preschool. Right. And uh, so they uh, they implemented this. You've got to have your GED or whatever. I'm looking around. I'm sorry, baby. I just keep seeing things. <laughs> uh, it's a PTSD. <laughs> that but, medication. Uh, so, so my mom worked two jobs. And I remember I was going to Head Start. And when I would come in, I would only have like 30, 30 minutes with mom. Yeah. Now, my oldest brother was 12 years older than me. So mm-hmm. if I'm three or four years old, he's a teenager. Yeah, yeah. And then my other brother was eight years older than me. And then my sister was four years older than me. <clears throat> I do that every time. But uh, so I only had like 30 minutes with mom. She had to leave for her other job. She worked at the redryer. That's what they called it. Oh yeah, it was. I think they they dried tobacco. I okay. don't remember where it was, but those some of the older ones that that are listening to this, they yeah. might actually remember where that was located. Tell us where the redryer was in the on Spotify, people. If you know what he's talking yeah. about, yeah. But uh, so I would only get like thirty minutes with her. What I mean, there was no such thing as daycare back then. You know, you're talking early eighties, eighty four, eighty five. Yeah. And well, there, I'm sure there was daycare, but not in Jackson County. No. So you depended on people to watch your kids. And instead of paying someone, my mom let this guy, and I hope he's listening. He may be dead. I don't know. But this guy, his name was Pee Wee Collins. I don't remember what he looked like, but I remember what he smelled like. Oh, really? And he smelled like onions. Hmm. He didn't bathe very good. Yeah. So basically, mom would fix a big supper when she'd get off of her first job. And she would let this guy eat and just watch the kids. You know, he he only lived like a mile out from us that yeah. I can remember. But uh, so this guy, and I'm going to be really graphic, and these are some of the reasons why I, why I have PTSD. You may not even know these stories, Danny. I may not. But uh, <laughs> my brothers, like I said, were a lot older than me, and they had some friends uh, uh, that lived at the end of the road going right before you hit the gravels at Turkey Foot, and those guys would ride their bicycles all the time. Mm-hmm. So it was me and my sister and this guy most of the time. We didn't have cable TV. We had an antenna, I'm sure, and only had like two or three stations. So he would uh, uh, he would uh, uh, basically just eat supper. Everybody would eat supper, and he would eat my plate and give me the leftovers from my brothers and sister. Wow. Yeah, he was very cruel to me. We had neighbors, and my sister stayed down there all the time. 
Now, just like Branson and Brody and even my children, which I don't do this with my three-year-old daughter now, uh-huh. but when she was little, I would bathe her. Mm-hmm. So he'd be like, it's bath time. You know, you need to take your bath. Mm-hmm. So I'm used to mom giving me a bath or whatever this, that, and the other. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm in there taking my clothes off or whatever, and this dude starts touching me inappropriately. I, I remember it. I'm 42, and I remember <clears throat> it just like it was. And, and like I said earlier, these are thoughts, man, that – that I think every day yeah. of my life. Mm-hmm. This guy done stuff to me that is unheard of that you do to a child. And I remember every bit of it. And the the uh, the actual uh, molestation, mm-hmm. it took a while for that to start. Yeah, And uh, um, it had been going on for a while. And what's so funny is there's so many people that's going to listen to this, and they've been through it too. That's oh, why. Yeah. I, that's why yeah. I, it's not poor old beefy. There's so many people that's been through this, <clears throat> and most of the time it's family. Do we need to take a break for identification? And yeah. Pause for we'll identification. Be right back, we'll folks. be right back, folks. And we're back. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the uh, the molestation stuff didn't start. It had been going on for a while, and luckily uh, one day, and I remember it just like it was yesterday. But you know, I'm not going to go through detail. If you re- if you really want to know, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, we might make there. a special episode okay. if you want to. Now, if you want to go listen, ahead, listen. go ahead. Well, I mean, my thing is, is there may be little kids listening to this. There could that, be. They, get, so, it, they you know, get a kick out of us. We you know? can actually set up a private episode. Well, yeah, you want you you, you really you really want to you know I, like I said I'm an open book and P and and, I, and the reason I do this is is because I want people to know who I am. You yeah. know, a lot of people they have a, a you know a narrative of who Beefy is as a person yeah. because of uh, some things that's been going on lately on Facebook, yeah. this, that, and the other. But uh, I'm an extremely passionate person when it comes to stuff that I'm passionate about. Oh, I am too. Whether you are or not, I'm I'll passionate go to about. My grave, it. believing the way I yeah, believe. Yeah, that's just that's how I am. Yeah. And I do not have any respect. Like I told you when we took that break, I will gladly cut somebody's head off that touches a child. Yeah, I'll torture uh, you. And, uh, <laughs> I'll torture. If you do something like that to a child, I'll give you a blood transfusion to keep you alive. They, they, I mean, and especially being a explicit, (laughs) yeah, explicit. (laughs) But I mean, but I'll try to get back into my story. The molestation had been going on for a while. Nobody knew about it because I was three years old, man. I didn't know what was going on. I just knew that my mom didn't touch me like that. Yeah, I knew that my brothers didn't do those things to me. Mm -hmm. It was this guy. Nobody, you know, nobody even thought that. You know, it's just this poor old guy. He's watching the kids for a few hours. I think mama, mom only worked four hours or five hours, and then she came home. But uh, the molestation had been going on for a while. And uh, uh, luckily, my brother James, who was eight years older than me, um, comes in on his bicycle, and he hears me screaming. Thank God. And uh, he kicks the door into the bathroom. And beats the literal piss out of this grown man. Good for him. Yeah, and uh, uh, I, I can't, I can't even describe how much I love my brother. Yeah, I'm about to get emotional. <laughs> okay, but uh, I probably he, will uh, later on. He was the closest thing really to a dad that I ever had. But uh, what he did for me, and then that's when it all came out. Mm-hmm. And see, like I told the story about getting burnt. 
And my mom, bless her heart, she was so afraid to do anything to this guy. Mm-hmm. Like you know, law. Yeah, she, yeah. And, and and it seems and, to be the way it always is. Well, uh, the only reason that she didn't was because she's afraid that we'd get taken from yeah, her. Yeah. You know, and I understand that. Oh yeah. But the bad thing that happened is uh, this guy and uh, this guy that, to my knowledge, he started uh, watching these other children and ended up molesting every one of them. Oh my god! And one of those kids had a, 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 a severe mental problem. And I reckon he done him really bad, you know, stuff that he had did to him. Yeah, took so, advantage of a of that little young yeah. situation. Yeah, he, I think he was. Uh, I think he may have had something like uh, it was a form of mental retardation, like Downs, but not yeah. really Downs. It was right, something right. else. And, but I can't. I don't. I'm not a doctor. I don't know. But you you take just those two instances that happened to me. That's when all the panic and being scared and all the time being afraid. A lot, of, you know, people in school when we were growing up, they had no clue. Yeah. But I was scared to death yeah. all the time. I, um, my mom was in a previous marriage. She'd had my my two brothers and another girl. You know, a lot of people don't know this. Some of the older ones that that listen to this may remember this. In 1973, her her dad shot and killed her. She was six months old, oh, a little baby. Uh, my sister, her mm. name was Loretta Lynn. Really? Yeah, Loretta Lynn. I don't think I ever knew that. Yeah, and so so my mom went through hell. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, uh, mom was on every kind of nerve pill you could think of yeah. my whole life. And she suffered with that. And uh, But uh, just hearing that story, I would sneak, because mom wouldn't tell stuff like that in front of us. But sometimes when we were at her cousins, they would bring it up, and, and we'd be pl- little kids would be playing, but I was always... I was so close to my. I slept in the same bed with my mom till I was seventeen, Danny. Mm-hmm. I know you was real close. Scared to death. I was afraid that she would die. Yeah. Oh, when I, uh, I mean, that. honestly, I, I, I would sit, and I've always had an issue with sleeping <clears throat> and insomnia and stuff. Mm-hmm. We talked about that once. Yeah. But when my mom finally died, we redone our house. Vicky Gabbard, that does the backyard bargains in McKee. Yeah. Uh, she uh. She came to the house and she said, I want to redo this house for Betty. And we, uh, my mom's bed had never been moved in like 20, 20 years. You know, it was the same spot, same yeah. old bed. And uh, we moved that bed and there was a hole that was beside of, that's the side that I slept on. Yeah. There was a hole that went all the way down the mattress where I would take my fingernails and dig dig into that and yeah. I would sit there and watch her breathe because I was scared to death there yeah. were several like staying up for three or four days at a time was nothing for me yeah nothing 11 days one time and I went to a doctor um, this is when I lived in Knox County mm-hmm. 11 days and went by and I went to a doctor and I was like you guys got to give me something because I was drinking whole bottles of NyQuil and couldn't sleep yeah and uh and, you know, of course, they tried to dig a little deeper into my life or mm-hmm. try to get me some kind of mental help or whatever. <laughs> yep. But I just quit going. Yep. I, I never did go back to the doctor. I was like, I'll just deal with it however I can deal with it. And if yeah. it wasn't for God, I would have been put in a mental institution a long time ago. Or prison. They'd have put me in a nervous hospital. Yeah. But uh, so anyway, those are just two of the little things that happened. My mom sold drugs. She sold alcohol and all this. I mean, you take uh, uh, in Jackson County, Kentucky, there there really wasn't very many jobs back then, but there was. Yeah. And my mom, uh, they are now. my mom done, um, my mom done whatever she had to do. She wasn't no big time drug dealer or nothing like that. No. She was dating this old alcoholic guy. 
And so there had to be beer there, and she thought, why not? Seven of his friends are here. You know, there's an old country song that says, well, I'm going to hire a wine old to decorate yeah. our home. That was yeah. the, kind of the mentality that mom had. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, all these, uh, you know, your eight buddies are up here, and you're all drinking anyway. I might as well make a little money on it to, you know, while I'm here. Yeah. And uh, so she started bootlegging. She bootlegged for about eight or ten years, something like that. And then she started selling her prescriptions. Mm-hmm. She got two a month, nerve yeah. pills. Yeah. And, uh. She would do that. So you take all of that, being afraid, hearing the story about my sister getting shot and killed when she was a six-month-old baby. I remember being seven, eight, nine years old, scared to death that that man, and I'd never met him, but he was just going to walk in our house and kill us. I didn't even know what he looked like. Yeah. He lived in Ohio or somewhere like that. Yeah. But... uh, Your mind goes off though. It, it, uh, it really does. It, really, it thinks it, up of some <laughs> some many hypotheticals that could never yeah. happen. And then, but to you, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and and even being a kid that watched scary movies and stuff like that, yeah. you, you know, yeah. you, your your mind's going to run. Oh yeah. So I was scared constantly, yeah. in fear constantly. Every if I heard an ambulance. The yeah, sirens or anything, I'd start having panic attacks. Oh, I know. I remember I can take you right to the spot. I had my first one. Mm-hmm. I was at OTJ's video beside McKee Baptist mm-hmm. Church. Yep. They lived in that two story house yep. and they had the video store in the bottom in the mm-hmm. basement. I was walking down the stairs and I got to almost the bottom of it and all of a sudden just this rush of fear hit me and this it was this thought, your mom's gonna die. Yeah. And man, I panicked. I, started, I, couldn't, I, couldn't, still, I couldn't breathe. I couldn't, you know, I, I, I freaked out. <clears throat> and then it just progressively got worse. And as a, as a teenager, there were roads I couldn't even go down in this county. Yeah. There's still roads that I can't go down. Yeah. And you can't explain that to anybody. No. But this PTSD, mean, uh, this PTSD that I have and this, uh, I don't know if it's depression or whatever it is, that is the whole sole purpose of why I am comical. Yeah. That's the whole sole purpose. That's your own medicine. It really is, man. It if, really it, is. And, uh, you don't even, you have no clue. The times that we would see each other at Deerview late at night, mm-hmm. and I forget that guy's name that had the big beard uh, that used to hang out with, long hair, but... Uh, uh, that I used to hang out yeah, with? Yeah, and I, I, when I was a, a usher or something in your wedding, had. He couldn't make which, it. Which way? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it was your first one. It was your first one. Oh. You, had, you had the first one at Greyhawk Baptist Church. Yeah, I did. I think. But, I uh, can't keep track. I, 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 I've been married 97 times. But uh, uh, he couldn't make it, and, I, and you got a hold of him, and you was like, I want you to do that. But anyway, yeah. I did that. Uh, but I remember uh, some of the times that I would see you out, and these were kind of in your wilder days. Yeah. And uh, I'd, I'd get out of the vehicle hickle and just start cutting as soon as i got out and get yeah. you laughing because that made me feel so good yeah. and that's like the number one reason why i am the way i am like that because that is my medicine it helps mm. me yeah. it, and and i used it all through school it got me into a lot of trouble uh-huh. um i it's it's so hard to explain all that stuff but the the depression and I've never been a suicidal person. Everybody's thought about that, yeah. but I have never been that type of person uh, until 
I take that took that medicine that I was talking about earlier. Yeah, like I did not want to live, and I yeah. I mean I broke down. It was awful. It scared me so bad, you know that it it was just unreal. But those are just two or three little stories of why I have PTSD. You don't have to go and be in a war to be shell shocked. No, you don't. You know my other sister was shot and crippled. Mm. You know, out on the road that we were raised on, there was never nothing done about that, Danny, and everybody oh, knows who done it. Yeah. You know, all the cops and the investigator, they all knew who done it. They came to the house and told us yeah. who did it, but they just didn't have any evidence. Just let it go. Yeah, so there was nothing we could do. So, you know, my sister, bless her heart, she suffered with PTSD and and shell shock and all that stuff. <laughs> and I would try to, you know, medicate myself by aggravating her, lighting yeah, firecrackers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> lighting firecrackers and stuff. Yeah. But, uh, Horrible. <laughs> no wonder she had the PTSD, Beefy. You was horrible. But uh, I'd hide in the closet, and she'd walk by and go, <laughs> she'd scream. Yeah. But uh, anyway, uh, but uh, I mean, there's there's so many factors that, that has happened in my life. Well, you can have well, – it's this is so hard. It really I mean, is. Like, I can I live this, you live yeah. this, but when you're talking about it, trying to explain what you go through, it's hard to put into words because it's so insane. Yeah. Some of it. It sounds so ridiculous. It sounds crazy because for me, I've got anxiety, PTSD. Yep. yep. Uh I was told I had a rage issue years ago. <laughs> I know it's hard to believe, ain't it? <laughs> That's so hard to believe. Yeah, uh, I told I was told I had a rage issue. Told that I I was antisocial. I kind of see that yeah. because I'm. I mean, even when I'm at work, I, the most people I see is other than inmates is one other officer. Yeah, and I try to steer clear of you know just people in general. The, Go ahead. The, this is so weird, but if I've got any work buddies that listen to this, yeah. I don't speak to anybody at work. No, very rarely. Yeah, and I mean, I'm a material. There's certain people. Yeah, I'll speak I mean, to. I'm a material handler, and I, you know, I, I'll do my little comical thing. Yeah, but then I'll go off and I'll, I'll sit there and wait until I'm needed. Like yeah. I thought, it, it, and that's the only thing that keeps me sane too, is if I've got something to do, I pour everything that I have into it. Yeah, like mentally, physically, everything, and. uh that at work, I really I'm not a social butterfly at work. Even with people that I know, my cousin's wife works there, and I really I mean I'll speak to her. Yeah. But as far as you know, sitting down, we have lunch at the same time. Yeah. But I'll go off to the other side of the room mm-hmm. and sit by myself and well, eat my lunch or whatever it is. I am too. And, you know? and, and that's so weird for somebody that's a social butterfly like Beefy. It don't make a bit of sense. No. But that's the point of the, all this. You know, I can talk to anybody, yep. and I can. Well, I ain't gonna say anybody, but <laughs> I can talk to most people. But I purposely work in the area that I work at because in the prison of because there's one other officer there with me, my number one. I'm the number two. Uh, there's one other person, possibly two more that I'll see in my eight hour shift, and then I'm one of the first ones relieved and I'm out of there. Right. And, you know, it's not to say that I won't say, hey, you know, how you doing, but I'm not going to stop and have a conversation. Right. I'm with the you. same way. Uh, I'm, I'm, and this goes without saying for a lot of people that works inside prisons, the quicker you get out of there, the quick, the better off you are yeah. because anything can happen on your way out. Well, of I there. think that's just work in general. It is. Now, it I, is. Like I was saying, I, I focus so much on 
on what I'm doing. Yeah. And I'm always singing a song in my head right. all, all the time. I've always got a song or 10 <laughs> songs or whatever constantly playing in my head. Yeah. And, I, and, and I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm, so I'm blank a whole lot. I'm trying. I'm trying to be in. I don't know if this is a competitive thing about me, but at work, I want to be the best. Yeah. I want to be the best material I handler. I don't have that problem. Right. <laughs> you just naturally are. No, I don't try. But, <laughs> but I, mean. I want and, and I want to outdo myself from last night. Yeah. I, I can't I don't know why where I get that from or why I do that, but I want to be the best That may ma- be obsessive compulsive. Yeah. But, That's what that is. Like, I know I deal with that. Like I do jobs that I'm not even required to do. You mm-hmm. know, I mean honestly all night long and I and and like I I try to time myself. Well, you you done good in the bureau. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> You'd be a captain right that, now. That, that's especially. In fact, I love. That's one of the reasons I love factory work. Yeah, is because it's repetitive. And when I was young, I hated repetitive stuff. I hated oh, yeah. it. But now I love it because I want to outdo myself. I try to be the best material handler that Intersys has ever seen. Mm-hmm. I want to be the fastest. I want to be the one that that uh, because they're building batteries and they take these plates. And my job is to go get these plates on this forklift and put them up there. Several plates. Yeah. Um, there's a guy that does material handling on the other end, and he uh, takes the finished battery and, and takes it to what they call the burn line. Yeah. Okay, so he takes it to the burn line. The burn line load has a forklift. They drive all the way around everything and get that battery and load it. No, they don't. When Beefy's there, they don't. Yeah. I load the burn line. Oh, yeah. I grab all the cardboard. You know, I, I, I get their plastic. I help them sweep. And those yeah. are jobs that I'm not even required to do. Oh, yeah. And and I, I can't help it. It's just part, part it's, of it. It's probably obsessive compulsive. It, I'm, I'm that way. I'm not that way at work. <laughs> and all my buddies at work that's going to listen to this is laughing right now because <laughs> they know how I am at work. I mean, I do my job, but right. I don't uh, go above and beyond. Well, a, <laughs> but, lot of uh, it, a lot of it, too, is scriptural, too, because – to me, just me personally, you know, I had the big issue with my neighbors in the trash, which mm. which really fueled everything that I was pissed off about with the ja- with Jackson County's public officials. Yeah. That's what fueled the whole fire for that. I would have never said anything yeah. if they would have done something about the eyesore that costed me thousands and thousands of dollars. Mm-hmm. I would not have said a word. Nothing. You would have never heard nothing out of me. I wouldn't have point blank called people out. I wouldn't have done the things on social media. I would not have done that. But I work, I keep my yard clean, which right now it's horrible because the wind and stuff, Mm. how bad the wind's been here lately. But those are things that I feel like I should do as a Christian because I feel like it helps witness for me. You know, I want my yard to be clean. I don't think that any Christian, that's just my personal opinion. I don't think any Christian should have a vehicle that's plumb nasty and you can't even get in it. I don't think that a Christian, these are just my opinions. Right, right. I don't think. You're allowed to have them. Yeah, I I don't think a a Christian should be driving around in a vehicle that's nasty Mm. outside or inside, which my car is not, you know, perfect, but I wash my car. You know, I try to keep it clean. I try to keep my yard clean. I want my kids to be in clean clothes. uh, uh, I I want to be. Be a, uh, a good steward of, of God in any way that I could do that. So I, you, I, I try, like I said, it's even in my everyday life, I want to outdo myself every day. Yeah. It really is obsessive and compulsive. I, I deal with that, too. Uh, with me, you know, and the whole deal with anxiety and stuff like that, it stems back probably 15, 16, no, 
probably 25 years yeah and i don't know why my mom i remember started taking me to a psychologist when i was pretty young i think around 13 14 years old and i'll never i don't remember the guy's name but i remember him because he was a bodybuilder big yeah. old dude and he's old he was in his 60s get to the big, big guy and uh he prescribed he didn't prescribe me any medicine he prescribed me a journal he said, write in this journal every day, every time you have a thought, negative, positive, whatever. And I've got a stack of them, probably six foot tall in that closet right there. Yeah. And from time to time, I still do write in them. And I look back and read some of those journals, and it's like uh, stuff that uh, serial killers would write. <laughs> no joke. No joke. It's funny. It I, is funny. I, I, I mean, but I will say this. I hope I can say this and not get kicked off Spotify, but I had a list. Oh, I did. I, I had think, a list I think of people. I think everybody's got a list, whether they well, wrote it down I or had, not. I had a list, and I wrote things that would scare a normal person, oh, yeah. that would keep you up at night. And I did that for years and years and years. And like I say, I still do write in them from time to time. But then my whole real anxiety stuff started uh, when I got into the prison system yeah. and started seeing some bad things oh, and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, uh then my boys was born, and I'll get into that here in a minute. Uh, working in the prison system, you know, uh, well, everybody's seen prison shows on TV and stuff like that, and they think, God Almighty, that's a bad environment. It's ten times worse than <laughs> yeah. what you see on TV. Even in a county jail. Yeah, even jails are often and often oftentimes worse than prisons. Yeah, yeah. But uh, working in prisons for 19 years, state and federal level, both you see a lot of bad things i've drugged people out of trees hanging their self uh i've uh drugged people off the toilet from suicide i've seen people stabbed up and cut and slashed and yeah they're scalped and stuff like that so it that has an effect on you i, th I remember my first night walking into uh the federal prison that i hired into i walked in you know, you're supposed to report for duty and get the lowdown of the shift and stuff like that. And I was walking into the lieutenant's quarters, and you have to walk past a holding cell to get to the lieutenant's quarters. And there was an inmate uh, standing in the holding cell, and he was a human sprinkler, spurting blood from probably 30 holes. Yeah. And he was licking the, licking the glass, licking the blood off the glass. Yeah. You know? And I was like, Gee. and I had been in corrections for a while when I got hired into the feds. I had yeah. been in state level for five years. It was a medium security, so there wasn't much happened at the medium level. So I thought, God, this is where the big boys play right here. Let's, yeah. You know, we're all go right here. So it just, you know, uh, eight, nine years in the, at the maximum level, you see a lot of bad stuff. And then I transferred to Manchester, and it's a medium, so... You know, there's not as much goes on there. Right. But then in 2013, Patsy got pregnant and uh, with our little boys. And uh, pretty much everybody knows the, what happened there, so I'll make this brief. But they, she went to Central Baptist and delivered at Central Baptist. And they said that they weren't equipped to take care of them. They were so, they were so small. But... That right there caused the majority of my anxiety and PTSD because 
I said on another podcast that I was so dumb and ignorant to the situation. I didn't really realize what was going on. <clears throat> Maybe that was, and I know this is kind of weird, but sometimes the Bible says that, of course, you know, I won't talk about the Bible, that he'll not put no more on you than you can bear. And that might be God's way of shielding you in those type situations. It was. It it had, was. I mean, that, no that's just my opinion. It. it was. He let me think everything was going to be okay until I could handle it. Because you would have lost your flip I in mind. I would have freaked out. Yeah. And this is so, I, like I said a few minutes ago, I ain't had a panic attack in a long time. I've gotten to the brink of one, Yeah, and I was able to calm myself yeah, down. Talk yourself out of yeah. it. Yeah. So a couple of weeks ago, my boys had a doctor's appointment, just a standard doctor's appointment. Nothing was wrong at Central Baptist. And my dad went with me, and my dad can attest to this. He can tell you tell you about this story, too. And it's really confusing how to find doctor's offices in Central Baptist. Well, of course. It's a big city. Yeah, the big city. So uh, we was having a little bit of trouble finding this doctor's office. And I was confused about where I was going. Ultimately, we found out where it was and everything. But leading up to that, I was actually pretty good, pretty calm. But my boys... They was, I'm about to bite. where are we going, Daddy? We just met this way. And my dad actually was, Daddy, this ain't the way to go. It's on the third floor, you nut. And I'm like, Dad, just calm down. Yeah. And uh, that got you me, going. Me telling somebody to calm down, you know, that got me going because here's my boys in this here. Here's my dad in this here. And I'm really bad. Like, if I'm on the phone with somebody and you're talking to me, oh, gosh. it sets me off. Yeah. It's stupid, but it sets me off. It's not in a, in a rage way, but I my, will blood, kill my you. blood pressure. I can't focus on two things at once. Right. I've got a one track mind severely. Me but, too. I think it's part of PTSD. And, uh, I started hyperventilating, started yep. sweating. Oh, blood yeah. pressure was sky high. I was actually clutching my chest. My heart was hurting so bad. We got in the elevator for probably the fourth time to go to a different <laughs> floor to try to find this place. And uh, I kind of was leaning against the wall, holding myself up. Now, I hadn't said anything to Dad or the boys because I didn't want them to worry. Right, right. But when we got out of there, I said, Dad, let me tell you something. I said, you can't do that. I said, when I stepped inside this hospital, I said, my blood pressure went up instantly because all those memories of my boys came rushing back to me like I was going through it again. Right. I said, so I was trying to stay calm. I said, but you can't, you can't do that to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I said, you got to just let me, let me do my thing, you know, whether we're late for the appointment or I completely miss it. Right. I said, just let me, let me miss it. And uh, I was, like I said, hyperventilating. I was clutching my chest. My heart was hurting. I was sweating. My stomach. I had to stop at the bathroom three times on the way home, you know, and diarrhea. I, yeah. Oh, God. It is. Yeah. I'm raising my hand. I when a, I get like that, oh, I'm a, I have a really, really severe anxiety yeah, about too. public bathrooms. Oh, gosh. I can't do it. Yeah. I purposely, now, folks, this is going to sound stupid, even if it's 90 degrees. I will bring a windbreaker or a hoodie or something with me because if I have to go into a public bathroom stall, 
and there's a crack between the door and the wall. Hang something where you can't see out. I hang something there. Yeah. And it's not that I'm ashamed. It's just that I feel that that's such a private thing. And there's so many weirdos out there. <laughs> yeah. You know what, what I mean? What are you doing in there, that big little, boy? That little crack in there gives me such anxiety. <laughs> I always start out the crack and see if I can see. Who, I don't. Who, I who don't. People, who people are. Which, I mean, but there's there's certain things about me, too, like try, uh, traveling down certain roads. Yeah. I, well, like, I'm the same way. Going <laughs> poor anywhere. old Frankie Hobbs. Everybody knows Frankie in Jackson <laughs> County, you know, uh, the assassin. Yeah. But anyway, uh, I've known him my whole life. He could t- he could probably tell you stories about us living it tough it out because he lived he was our neighbor. He lived right across <clears> the road. <throat> but uh, uh, I almost beat him half to death because oh, yeah. I couldn't go across two ninety. Could I not. remember you telling me about that. Yeah. I, I got to, to the top of the hill where Lance Isaac's mom mm-hmm. lives. That's as far as I could go. Yeah. And we were working through that Daniel Boone fire thing, and we got a call uh, somewhere over in Anvil or something like that. And I remember, man, as soon as they called it out, I started panicking. Mm-hmm. I was like, I, in my mind, I was thinking, I've got to tell him. I've got to tell him, you know, how do I tell him? How do yeah. I tell him? So we got in the car or got in that van, and I said, man, is there any way you can go around, you know, 421 to Tyner? He's like, no, we got to get over there right now. Yeah. And I was like, no, man, seriously, you know, go go around 421 to Tyner. Yeah. And he thought I was joking, so he just whipped her up 290. And I remember passing the old gym and starting to go up that hill, man, and, like, it was bad. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, I just flipped out. I grabbed a hold of him. I was like, you stop this van right now. And he's like, yeah. what's wrong with you? And I said, I'm serious, Frankie. I'll beat you half to death. Yeah. I said, I can't go. I can't go 290. I can't go 290. And I'm trying to explain. And he's like, what are you talking about? But you can't explain I, that. I'm like, I'm, I'm like that to a certain extent. I'm not, I can go anywhere, but... Say if I go to Lexington, I have to take the same route yep. every single time. I have to have my GPS I, going. If we're going to someplace new out of the state, I will plan my route to the second yeah. of which lane I need to be in. Ten, ten turns down the yep. way that we're going, I want to know which lane I got to be in for that turn ten yep. miles down the road. And instead of having to switch lanes, because in my head, switching lanes – on an interstate is one of the most dangerous things you can do. Right, right. So I want to be in that lane already. That way I ain't got to fight traffic. Right. And it drives Patsy crazy. Well, I can't imagine what my wife goes through because uh, I'm not a traveler, Danny, and it's because of that, yeah. the anxiety and stuff. I can do it. I just got to have it planned out. Like we've, uh, uh, we've been to Tennessee two or three times since we've been married, and mm-hmm. that's as far as I'll go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, you know, well, and I, I told I'm my wife, anxious. I said, I said, I want, you know, I would love for my children to see the ocean and all that stuff. Yeah. I said, but if they ever do, daddy won't be there yeah. because I can't. It's sad. Ain't it? I, I would have, I would have to be knocked out yeah. uh, to the point to where I didn't know where I was at. Yeah. Now I can go anywhere. Like say me and Patsy's planning on a cruise and we're planning on going other places. I can go. But I got to know how I'm getting there yeah. every step of the way. Yeah. And that's a little bit of OCD, which I've been diagnosed with. I have to do things a certain way. You know, I don't even know how to spell that. Really? DCO. <laughs> <laughs> oh, DC. Yeah. But uh, I have to take showers a certain way. Yeah. If I don't take a shower the same way, I used to have anxiety attacks. I used to have them so bad taking a shower, anxiety attacks. Really? Yeah. Over a shower? Just being in the bathroom, oh, in yeah. the shower. Yeah. yeah, I would have them horribly. I lock my doors when I'm in the bathroom in my own home. Yeah. 
And you know, I, I'm like my mom. I poop with the bathroom door. I open. couldn't do it. Bring me a cigarette. No. That's what you said. Ain't no way I could do that. But if I, somebody walks by and knocks on the door, <laughs> oh gosh. I'm freaked out. Yeah. Don't talk to me while I'm in the bathroom. <laughs> I don't exist when I'm in the bathroom. I'm not laughing at you. No, I'm just laughing. I'm laughing with it. Yeah. I just think it's awesome. It's stupid. No, I know, it, it's but, not uh, really stupid, but those people it's that hear nonsensical this, is what it is. Well, it's not even that, dude. It's there. You feel like you're the only one. Yeah. I mean that's what the devil that's what yeah. the devil tries to make yeah. you think. Yeah. Well you're I the only that, one, man. That's embarrassing. I know there's gonna be people out there that's like, Oh my god, I do the same thing. Yep. Tell us about it. Yeah, tell us. Tell us about leave it on us, Spotify. Leave leave us a message on Spotify. Hit but, us up uh, on Facebook, on Apple Podcasts, whatever platform yeah, that you we're use. We're on a bunch now. But there's so many things that I do and I'm sure you do. Uh it just I obsess about. I laugh at myself yeah. a lot of times over some of the quirky stuff that I do. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I try, I try, I try to look at me from my wife's point of view, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and especially with stuff like that, like going to Tennessee, I'm flipping out the whole way there. Mm-hmm. Uh, they uh, another pill that I take is called a diazepam, yeah. and I haven't taken them in so long they're almost powder. Oh, yeah. In my in the little pill bottle, yeah. it's a two milligram nerve pill. Oh yeah, and uh, I've been on those. Yeah, and like I haven't taken them in so long, they're literally almost powder. Yeah, and just knowing they're there keeps me from. Well, you know, <laughs> this right here. Deal. Oh gosh, if I haven't got one of these. In my house or around me, I flip out. That's all I can think about. Now, that makes me sound so crazy, but if I haven't got one of these, I went into work the other day. This is, this is, this will tell you how bad I am about this stupid dip. I didn't remember packing my dip in my bag, in my gear bag. And every night, I do the same exact thing. I put my bag up on the, on the bar and I'll look in it because I'll put, I'll pack this water jug, my dip, my straps for my duty belt and all that stuff. And I'll look in my bag and I'll go, okay, water dip, food strap, pop. Yep. In that order. I do the same thing. But see, that's crazy, ain't yep. it, how we do that. Yep. But I'll look at it and I'll go, water dip straps, uh, <laughs> Like here, here lately, that. here lately, I've been letting Tamara pack my, <clears throat> My little cooler, my little lunch oh, I bucket, I call it. Couldn't do it. And, I got to have them all in certain And like, I have to have my headphones in there. Mm-hmm. So when I'm on a break, I can listen to podcasts. Yeah, listen to yeah. What's Up World. Yeah. That's a good podcast. It is. I <laughs> one better than Joe Rogan. Yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I do the same thing, man. It's it's crazy, but that's how I have to do it. You know, I have to I have to say a prayer, the same exact prayer, every night on my way to work, or somebody ain't going to be home when I get there. Yeah. Uh, Showers, uh, you know, just ever when I'm even sitting here thinking about it just now, <laughs> everything I do, I have to do it a certain way. Yep, me too. I've I've broken doorknobs before, <laughs> twisted them off, beefy, thinking that they're not un, that they're not locked. Yeah, it's it's insane. I do that with the knobs on our stove. I don't like for a, a light switch to be halfway on. Oh halfway gosh, off. I'm I think the house will burn down. It's amazing, <laughs> ain't it? It is. How, it's how. scary and amazing and don't make no sense. But there's a lot of people out there that feel the same way and deal with the same things. So, you know, this is just our way of getting it out there and saying that you're normal uh, to a certain extent, I guess. But uh, yeah. uh, there's one thing that I deal with that I probably sends me over the edge quite a bit. And I know there's going to be people out there that don't, 
have any idea what any of this means or what it causes, but probably think bad of me, but I have some of the most horrible thoughts creep into my mind on a daily basis of doing horrible things to to people. Yeah. And stuff that you go to prison for, <laughs> you know, and it's not that I'm sitting here. I, I say that and it's not that I'm sitting here. God, I want to do. It's not that I will be sitting driving down the road by myself or uh, set, setting up in my bed ready to go to sleep. And just these thoughts will enter my head. And it's it's things that I'd never do. Right. That I'd never want to do. It's not that I, it's not like I'm sitting here thinking of somebody that I don't like and be like, God, I'm going to do this. It's not like that. Right. It's just <clears throat> these flashes of violence that enter my head from time to time. And my wife, I know she's noticed it. I'll kind of jerk my head, jerk, shake my head. Yeah. And it's kind of like me shaking that out of my mind. You know what's it's, so funny? It's crazy. It, you're not the only one. No, I'm not. I mean, not. honestly, there's too many people in this world for me to be the only one. But to do not even not even looking at looking at it as a whole spectrum of the world. <clears throat> but I'm going to say probably three out of every five listeners probably did the same thing. Oh, I'd say so. I mean, I'm honestly. just saying it for everybody to hear. Right. You know, and like I'm like I'm saying, I want to make it perfectly clear that I'm not fantasizing about doing any of these <laughs> yeah, things yeah. to anybody. I just think I'm going to get up tomorrow morning, go yeah. around and, and peel the skin off my neighbor. That's what I'm saying. It's And I have these thoughts about bad things happening to people that I love. Right, right. And I have to instantly kind of shake my head and shut my eyes and, I and think, rebuke it. I know? honestly think that, uh, and that's the key word, what <clears> you just said, rebuking that thought. Yeah. But I think that everybody has thoughts, especially about people they love and care about. Yeah. Like, you know, um, I've often said this, even to my wife, that the worst possible thoughts that could ever happen to me in my mind mm-hmm. has already happened. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about it. You know, uh, like like I said, I slept with mom till I was 17 in the same bed. Then we moved to a sectional couch. Yeah, yeah. And we slept on that until the day she died. Right. My whole thought process was mom's going to die. Mom's going to die. Yeah. And then right my, my worst fear came to pass. Yeah. And then as life went on, you know, uh, I lost all my family. Mm-hmm. One, of my be- one of my best friends in the world. Um, and and what was so awesome about my, my best and I don't think I'll ever have a friend like Michael Creech. Yeah. Um, but I think about him almost every day. Yeah. You know, he's been dead for 20, <coughs> excuse me, 22 years, 21 years. Yeah. And I don't think that a day has, has went by that I haven't thought about him. Yeah. And we were only really close for a short period of time. Yeah, but uh, there was he, a big connection there, just huge, man. I mean, we were literally up each other's butts. Yeah, everywhere you've seen me, you've seen him, and mm-hmm. vice versa. Yeah, for only maybe a year, mm-hmm. but when he died, it like it totally ripped my heart out. Yeah, because it was the first time that I'd ever lost somebody on that spectrum. Like of a friendship, yeah. not my family, which he was my family, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was it was just different. And I often, I, I, if I would have had a, a a son instead of two girls, yeah, I would have found some way to put his name 
in yeah. my child's name. Yeah. Uh, even if it was a nickname, just called him Creature. Yeah. You know, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I had planned that forever. But, I, I mean. Certain people like that have an effect on you, you know. Uh, and it can only mean, can only be a blink of an eye yeah. type yeah. of situation. You but, know, right? but a lot of people, a lot of you guys that are listening, you have these horrible thoughts. You mm-hmm. know, this is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. Yeah. And I promise you this, because I'm living proof, yeah. and Danny's living proof. Mm-hmm. It will happen yeah. if you live long enough. Yeah, it will. It's if you, inevitable. If, if, if you live long enough on this planet, <clears throat> the worst things that you could ever go through, you'll go through them. And it's horrible. I mean, yeah. it, it it sucks. And, and I've often felt like that I'm kind of cold when it comes to stuff like that now. Mm-hmm. Like to hear of a death doesn't really hit me um, like it used to. Yeah. Um, you know, uh like COVID, when yeah. people were dying left and right, you yeah. know, uh, like it really didn't affect me in a way that where it used to. It's like, it's like when nothing surprises me anymore, you know. Yeah, like, I, uh, I can identify with that. that. And you know, just you know, so and so got killed in a car wreck, and mm-hmm. then I'm like, man, that is horrible. Yeah, I feel bad for their family, but nothing surprises me. Yeah, you know? I'm like that too, just about. Well, things like that, but just out of people in general, I'm not surprised by people much no more. I kind of think the worst uh, in people. I really do. That's kind of a... an, 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 an innate defense mechanism that I have... Uh, brought upon myself because of all the things that I've been through. Yeah, I think that everybody's got that same thing. They do to a certain extent. It's a I defense mechanism, but I'm I kind of go overboard with it to the point where I almost shun people on purpose. Yeah, just because you don't want to get hurt, you don't want to. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, and, and it's so hard for me, my personality of being like that. I want to like everybody. I want everybody to like me. I'm the attention <laughs> yeah. whore. But somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm thinking that, man, I don't want to get too close. Well, I'm all, all the time thinking, you know, this person can eat me up for 20 years of my life. Tomorrow, they may stab me in the back. And right. I'm not going to be surprised for it because I'm always thinking that. Yeah. I'm always <laughs> for this person to do me bad. A negative Now, Nancy. that's not to say that I'm going to think that and treat them differently because I expect it. Right. I'm just saying that when and if it does happen, it's not going like, to be a surprise. Right. Oh, My wall is there. Yeah, always. You I know, think everybody's got that, there's too. There's a door right there in that block wall, but I haven't sealed it shut. Right, you know right. what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I it's kind of It's kind of weird. But now, I want to touch on one more thing, and I think this is important. You mentioned... Everybody has thoughts of suicide and stuff like that. They contemplate it or just think of it in random thought. I, there was a point in my life where I was drinking heavy. Yeah. Heavy. I would go to Monty's in Richmond and buy a fifth of tequila and a 12-pack of Bud Light. And I'd drink it all the way to back to London on the back roads. Yeah. Just to be more stupid. Yeah. You know, not, you know, just drink and drive the whole way to London and hang out all night, go to Jellicoe, Tennessee, and play, hustle people for money playing pool. Uh, there got there come a point in that time of my life where I almost went through with it. Now, my mom and dad may not know. I don't think they know this. Right. If they listen to this, this is going to be news to them. And news to probably everybody in my life except my wife. Yeah. Uh, 
I was driving a 1993 black GMC Sonoma at the time. I don't know if you remember. Yep. Or not. Flashy little truck. Yeah. And uh, I was drunk. And I had this friend at the time. He lives in London. Tyler Evans is his name. Heavy set boy with a yeah, beard. That's, that's him. I just remembered it. Yeah. I just put the name. Tyler. The that's his name. Yeah. yeah. And me and Tyler, we don't we don't speak much anymore. Uh, I really don't know why. I may get on that one of these days. But uh, uh, me and him would go six months a year without speaking. And then just one day he'll show up and we'll pick up right where right, we left right, off. And if right. he hears this, he'll agree with you. We, it's just like we never missed a beat. You right. know? We was like brothers for 20 years. Yeah. And uh, I hadn't seen him in probably six or eight months. And I was in a bad way of drinking one night and I had a pistol in my truck with me. And I was going through a really hard time with work. I couldn't hold down a job. I couldn't keep a woman. Yeah. You know, just everything sucked. Yeah. <laughs> it did. It just really sucked. And I had a pistol in the truck with me. Now, keep in mind, I hadn't seen Tyler in six, eight months. I'm going to say six to eight months. I was sitting in the parking lot, that parking lot next to Deerview, whatever that is, Kentucky Mountain Housing yep. or whatever it is. I was sitting right there. And uh, I had a bottle of tequila and almost an empty 12-pack of beer sitting next to me. I was using the box of beer for a, for a console, yeah. actually. And I had a 38, I think it was, special loaded. And uh, I was crying. And I put it to my head. And it's fully loaded. And Tyler at the time drove, I think, a maybe 2001 Gold GMC Sonoma. Yep. I remember, remember it. Yeah. And uh, I put it. I held, put it up. To, it's hard for me to even say this because I'm ashamed of it. I really am. Right. <clears throat> but I put that gun up to my head and saw headlights around the corner at the old high school, the Board of Education now. Yeah. And Tyler had his own way of entering a parking lot sideways. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> you remember? I remember. Yeah. And uh, he done it everywhere he went. Yeah. And uh, this time was no different. He pulled in Kentucky Mountain Housing parking lot, put on that e-brake and slid sideways, got out of his car, walked over to mine and punched me in the side of the face. Knocked the gun out of my hand. Saved my life. Right. I don't know what, why or where. It was divine intervention yeah. is all it was. Yeah. I chalked it up to God, divine intervention. It, uh, it, uh, I don't know whether I'd have went through with it or not, but I don't even want to think about whether or not I would have right. because the life that I have now versus then – you know, if I could have saw the future, oh. I'd be like, God, what? You're stupid. Why well, see, would you do that? That's what's so awesome about life. That's what's so awesome. And I know this sounds so stupid, but that's what's so awesome about PTSD. That unending doom that you feel when the anxiety and the panic comes on. There's no end. No, no, no relief. No relief. But there is. Yeah. It will pass. It will pass. Yeah. This and, too and, will pass. Yeah, this too will pass. And, I mean, and the reason that you didn't do it, and I'm just, I, I love doing this. This is so awesome to me. The reason you didn't do that and the reason that Tyler pulled uh, pulled in the parking lot sideways, jumped out and knocked your brains he out. He did. He didn't hold back. Yeah. And, and the reason that he did all that is because, number one, is just a few seconds ago, you gave God glory for that. You did. You said, that must have been God. It, re it was. Oh, yeah. 
because so, like if because like you just said, you know, if I would have been able to know what my life would have been like now back then, I would have been like, oh man, you know, everything's going to be okay. And even though we all still suffer and we all still go through things and we have our worries, we have our anxieties, we all do that. We do not know what the road is going to be ten years from now. We do. We, I mean, it could be. You really don't. It could be your worst fears in the next 10 years. I'm sitting here shaking my head because I, what you just said just kind of really hit me. <clears throat> and I hear my boys up there. Yeah. <laughs> I hear them too. Ain't that awesome, man? Cause you, you really don't know, man. Like, and people, and, and, and a lot of people, they do not give God credit for what's going on my life the reason that i have ptsd all of the being sexually molested the being you know just literally tortured as a three and four year old child uh, by some grown man you know he was Mm -hmm. i think he may have been in his early 20s late teens early 20s something like that when all this stuff happened yeah and but just like you said, if 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 I could have, you know, looked in a mirror and saw, you know, thirty five years down the road, thirty six years down the road, and yeah. see, and and even knowing the process of getting to where I am right now, mm-hmm. I can't not give God the glory. Yeah, but yeah. that's why it's so important, and whether people realize this or not, but this is our testimony. It is, uh, and the Bible says, <laughs> you know, beefy. He's going to talk about the Bible, <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. brother. <laughs> but the Bible says that you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb, yeah, and the words of your testimony. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so important, folks, for people, and and it, it's so important for us to talk about these subjects. It is, but it's so important. To listen to these subjects as yeah. well. Don't judge people. Well, not even not even judge, but like I said, there's you know if if the Lord Jesus does not come back in the next ten years, mm-hmm. there's going to be a process that happens to each individual's life that is listening to the sound of my voice right now. Yeah, it may be your worst nightmares yeah. coming to fruition and yeah. coming to pass. Oh yeah. Or it could be prosperity. You could land the perfect job. You may go, if the Mega Million hits $42 billion, you go down there and spend a dollar and win 28 I yeah. You know, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That there, there is a process for the next 10 years. And whether you know it or not, it's already been written. God already knows what it is. And people's like, man, I don't like that predestination. I feel like I ain't yeah. got I ain't got no control of my life. No, you do, because you do. there's two roads. Yeah. You can choose the left path or the right path. Yeah. And hopefully you choose the one that God wants you to choose yeah. because ultimately in the next ten years, it could either be your worst dreams come come to fruition. You could have prosperity in your life. You could you could lose your children. You could get a divorce. You could uh, lose your pinky toe on your left foot. You could, you know, everything could be great. All your dreams could come true. Yeah. You know, uh, we could be uh, doing What's Up World podcast and making millions of dollars. We don't know. Yeah. But let's just enjoy the ride and realize that God's in control. Well, to sum that up, I mean, life is a to prepare you for what's coming after. After, right. It's everything that you do, uh, everything that happens to you that you do, everything that happens to me and I do, 
you know, it may set you on a different course than what you was originally intended. Right. You just have to, whether you've had a bad upbringing like Beefy, right. you know, with all the death that you, not, I won't say bad upbringing because everybody loved you, but I'm saying just with everything that you've dealt with. It sucked. It, it was rough. <laughs> I don't know anybody else that has dealt with things it, like that. It was hard. And everything that, I, that I've been through and stuff like that has molded you to be the person that you are today. Yes, yes. And has molded me to be the person that I am today. Now, yes. a lot of people will think, well, Danny, you're, you're a prick. You know, mm. you don't like nobody. That's not true. Right. I just have a shield up to right. keep me safe from things that may possibly hurt me and right. my family. Now, if you make it past that wall, if I open that door on that block wall and let you in like like I like a beefy, you've been a part of my life all my life. Right. Uh you're a what I call a true friend. Because it takes some some doing to get past to get yeah. me to let you through that door. Yeah, you gotta have some major cojones. You do. Yeah. To deal with me and my attitude because I'll be the first <laughs> one to tell you I'm hard to deal with. But my thing is 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 like I've come to the realization as far as my life goes, it is but a vapor. I'm gonna oh, be I'm, fleeting. I'm, I, I'm gonna be here for a short time mm-hmm. and then my time's gonna be over. Yeah. Um, I often refer it to this. On every tombstone that you look at, you would it have Betty Lanehart's name on my mom's. Yeah. Betty Lanehart, born February 25th of 1952. Then there's a dash, and then it says March 26th of 1999. We're here for a flea, just, and we're gone. Yeah, that's it. I mean, honestly, yeah. uh, we're here for a little while, and then we're gone. <clears throat> What that dash represents is your life. Oh, that's the life. And and that's your life and, and and everything that you did, everything that you've done that will be remembered. You know what's so funny and, and, and kind of sucks at the same time? But the next time you walk into a graveyard and you 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 know, you looking at your loved ones, your mom and dad, your brother, sisters, your friends, or whatever, walk around and look at the other names. Yeah. Yeah. There's people that's been there that nobody has even thought of. Yeah. You know, yeah. that they've never even went through anyone's mind. Mm-hmm. You know, there's graves that's been out there for 600 years. Yeah. And these people were not famous. They were just here for a short time. Yeah. But they left something. They, you know, somebody had said something that changed somebody's life, mm-hmm. whether they had PTSD and that stuff's been going around from day one, oh, yeah. you know, from, yeah. the, from the beginning yeah, it has. for anxiety and fear and all those things. Those things are not of God. And but that doesn't mean that we don't suffer with them. Well, I mean, just what me and you have talked about on this episode of the podcast. Think of what all those people seen and dealt right, with. You right. know, everybody deals with something, and uh, I'm that's sure why I don't. That's why I don't like that. Oh, poor pitiful beefy. Yeah, no, I don't want you pity, woe, honey. This, this is part of it. This ain't a woe is me episode right. by any stretch of the imagination. This is just to tell people out there that you're not alone. And you that are listening, you're going through crap all the time. Talk to somebody. Yeah. If it's talk, your, call me or be Yeah. Talk, talk to, to your, your wife. Alone. Talk to your husband. Talk to your children because I promise you, as much as we want to shield them, they're going to see stuff that we've never even dreamed of. That's exactly right. You know? 
And I said in the last, uh, a couple episodes ago that we need to prepare our kids for what's coming. Yeah. And, and they've already got their own form of PTSD. Yeah, they do. You That's know? sad to say. It, it really is. That's so sad. But if you're prepared, man, then you, I mean, just like you said, you, you pack the same stuff every night and, and you're lost without it. Because yeah. we're prepared to go to work. We're prepared to do whatever we do. Yeah. Let's prepare one another. Let's talk about our issues. Let's bring it out. Let's be an open book to one another. <clears throat> and I promise you, that what's up in your world will be better. Absolutely for it. will. Absolutely will.